Good evening, dear friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Spirit Reports of Life After Life by Ellen Kardec. We're basing our Sunday night study on the beautiful book Heaven and Hell, the second half of Heaven and Hell, where Ellen Kardec gifts us with a multitude of different case studies, spirits who were invoked during by Alan Kardec and other mediums. Actually, Alan Kardec, he was more the one who spoke. He's not the medium, but he employed mediums to receive information, actualized information, which makes it like reality TV for us because it is precious to hear of other spirits' um, experience in life after life. And the beautiful thing is, is that Alan Kardec presents these cases by telling us a little bit about their lives so we can see in context of what actually happened to them after their excarnation. So dear friends, today we will continue in our study of the repentant criminals. It is a category where we learn about those spirits who've been criminals during their lifetimes. And the definition of a criminal in this case is not necessarily a spirit who was found out by human law, but a criminal before God's laws. And we will in a minute talk a little bit more about the distinction. So if you like and you want to follow along with um, our new case, you will find Benoist, we call him Benoist, not sure how the French exactly works, on page 437. And this is an invocation that happened in Bordeaux in March of 1862. Um, a spirit presented itself spontaneously to the medium under the name of Benoist, saying he had died in 1704 and was undergoing terrible sufferings. So again, this was a, a spirit who was not reached by human justice, but he falls under this category of repentant criminals because he committed tons of crimes under before God's laws, but he was never found out and never executed. So who was Benoist? He was a faithless monk. Can you believe it? He was a monk and faithless. The next question he was asked, was disbelief your only imperfection? Disbelief why? Because he was faithless. He didn't have any faith. He didn't believe in God. And his answer was, it was enough to lead to other imperfections, to other crimes. So very often all it takes is one thing and that snowballs into many other vices. And his started with disbelieving, not having any faith that there is a God. The next question, could you give us some of the details of your life? A sincere confession would be counted in your favor. And Benoist says, I was poor and lazy. Take note, he was poor and lazy. I entered the order, not because I had a call, but in order to have a position. Aha, let us listen carefully in a minute. We'll pause and take it apart. But here was a man, he was poor financially, he was lazy, and he saw an opportunity, he saw a position. Being intelligent, I found myself one, a position. Being influential, I abused my power. Being corrupt, I corrupted those whom I had the mission of saving. Being cruel, I persecuted those who seemed to disapprove of my excesses. Those at peace were disturbed by me. Hunger tortured many of my victims, 
and their screams were often silenced through violence. Let us pause for a moment, friends. So our friend Benoist was poor and lazy. He saw an opportunity and he signed up to become a monk because it was a position, it was a job for him. It seemed like the right thing to do. He was corrupt, he abused his power, he abused his power, he was corrupt, and um, he was cruel, and he persecuted everyone who did not approve of his excesses. Let us look at this, dear friends. This is really important because it pertains to us. So this monk, all these cases give us an opportunity for us to reflect them back onto us because we're here to learn. We're here to perfect ourselves. We have this golden opportunity to work on our inner transformation and we're even more blessed by the fact that we have all these beautiful spiritist books that we're open to and that we're open to spiritism in itself. So we have this golden opportunity and we want to make use of it. So again, he was selfish. Let us look at it with our own eyes, kind of asking ourselves, where am I in this? Then he saw an opportunity. What did he do? He went in to take something for himself. He didn't get go into this position of becoming a monk with the idea of service, to serve God, to serve mankind. He went in to see what is in it for me, a selfish motive. And right here, it would be good for us to kind of take note to what degree do we go into positions. May they be professional positions. It may just be even the Spiritist Center. It may be any group. It may be our own family. It may be a party as simple as that. Are we going in to get something for our own selves? Or are we going into situations always linking ourselves up with God, fulfilling, asking ourselves, how can I best fulfill God's will and be of service? Well, Benoist didn't do that. He used the church and the position of a monk, that's how he calls it, to fulfill himself, to express himself, to find power, to cover up, to earn money. I'm not sure that he actually received money, but he was poor. It's, it saved him from poverty. So another question for us, are we using our spiritual center for our own selfish purposes? What could they be? They could be building our own career, maybe connecting with a lot of people so we can create something for our own selves, maybe even just a mailing list to promote our own business. Or are we going in because we see it yet as another career where we want to become the president, we, become, we want to become the treasurer, we're um, fighting for positions and make it something for our own selves so that we can feel better? Those are all questions that are really important because we can see with Benoist, it is actually considered a crime before God to do this. So we want to be careful. We don't want to fall into the same trap that Benoist fell. Um, we also learned that he was extremely intelligent so it is in thought and life where Emmanuel teaches us that it takes two wings, two wings, two wings for us to ascend, to become better people for our own moral transformation. One is the knowledge side. It is boosting our intellect. It is learning new skills. It's reading more books. It's just being open always to the new to expand our knowledge. But that's not enough. We know we see that it noise just using our intelligence. What is missing? Love, service, wisdom. Using our knowledge to be of service, to be, to be giving, to be charitable. 
So if we're extremely intelligent, we can become criminals. And there are a lot of criminals who are very intelligent and we have seen it in these obsession meetings where whole groups come through very well organized, very well versed and very intelligent, organized, so-called doing organized crime. So that's not enough because the intellect is cold. We need to employ our hearts and they and our hearts need to be educated too in the sense that our will needs to be educated, that we know that with our intelligence, we need to make, make use it for the good, always for the good. And Benoist didn't do that. So note for our own selves, let us pay attention to that. Are we balanced? Are we working on always being open to learning more, to expanding our knowledge, and at the same time using our knowledge for the good? Friends, it's very important that we look at that. Um, another thing is, he seemed to be manipulative. He went in, he saw a position, and he used the power for his own, he abused power. Another therapeutic question for us, to what degree are we abusing power? We see it in politics. We always see it very easily outside of our own selves and we don't like it. It, it doesn't look very attractive and we usually criticize people abusing their power. But the trick question is, are we, are we abusing our own power? Now that could be in our own families maybe even as a spouse or as a parent that happens quite frequently it could be in our corporations in our jobs or it could be in our own spiritist center it could be in churches it could be in any group that we walk into yes friends that's very important to see that um, we learn from Benoist we, we, we're here to learn from those cases and these are hard questions for us to ask but they're also very therapeutic and hopefully help us to to open ourselves up to looking at our own selves because we know know thyself getting to know our own selves is the most important thing in our in a transformation because only when we see what we need to work on that beautiful diamond, the beautiful light we are to make it more shiny, only then will we be able to ascend and transform. I see lovely friends joining us here. Um, there's Lisa Tallies. Thank you so much for joining, dear friend. What a pleasure to have you here. And there is um, Bea Zara. So nice to have you, dear friend. Where are you from? Um, there's Carol. Carol, dear friend. Thank you. I love the Purple Hearts. Thank you for joining. What a pleasure. And there's also Nora Brazil, dear friend. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we have so much to learn today. So Benoist abused his power. He um, was very intelligent. He did not go in to serve. He used the church and his position to fulfill himself for selfish reasons. He was corrupt and he was cruel and um, yeah, so that was, that was Benoist and we've now looked at our own selves a little bit more to see whether we hopefully get up in the morning and we make after our morning prayer most and foremost God's to-do list. How can I be best of service? How can I serve God most and foremost so that we're not energy hogs, but we're actually energy providers. We go into every situation to see how we can contribute and serve. That's very important. All right, let us go back to our friend here. So we learned that he, um, he met people who were very thirsty and hungry and he did not help them to quench their thirst and satisfy their appetite. I've been making expiation and have been suffering all the tortures of hell, he says. My victims stir up the fires that devour me. Lechery, which is lustfulness, and insatiable hunger pursue me and thirst burns my parched lips without a refreshing drop of water ever falling on them. All the elements help me. Please pray for me. 
So he is, I hope our minds and hearts are wide open so we can really feel the suffering. I know it's hard to feel when we're very nicely satisfied and maybe have never suffered from hunger or thirst in our lives. What a blessing that we have and so much to be grateful for. But let us imagine how that feels to be extremely hungry and thirsty continuously and not being able to get anything. And that is what he provided for to his victims. But now he's receiving the same same treatment back. Let's just imagine that. So he is essentially vibrating on lower, on animalistic vibrations. To boot, he's also lustful. So we know that hunger and thirst serve for us for a purpose. They serve a purpose because we need, we want to survive. But when it comes to being lustful, that seems to be more the icing on the cake. And if we succumb to that, uh, to sexual passions in that form, and to that extent, um, that can also lead to abuse of power, by the way, and we are very well aware of that. Now, when we look at lust versus love, lust usually does not have anything to do with love. Lust is a selfish manifestation. I want something from you. I want to fulfill my desire from you. Love, on the other hand, is giving. It's the opposite. It is what we've talked about before. We go into a connection with another person wanting to be of service, to give, to be generous, to be acceptant, to be forgiving, to be humble, altruistic, to serve. That is love, to be accepting. All of that is love, has nothing to do with lust. Lust is ultimately the opposite. It is wanting something, it's selfish. So Benoist was vibrating on a more animalistic stage. He had not yet grasped to dematerialize his life. He was animalistic and materialistic. However, we know that the key for us is, is to look at our passions and work with them. Alan Kardec, in one of his questions, is very clear explaining to us that passions are good. They can be good if we use them for the good, if we educate them, if we rein them in like a horse. However, if we let our passions run wild, they can and most likely will be destructive. So what we need to learn is to work and educate, work with and educate our passions. Only then can we become less material, less animalistic, and we are here on this planet in our many incarnations to work on exactly that, to become less materialistic. As a matter of fact, many weeks ago, we looked at that. It is our inner transformation and becoming less materialistic that will help us also with our grand transition that will happen from this life to our spirit life. So it is vital to release the bonds to these base passions and of course to material attachments like our homes, our cars, money and so forth. But under that also fall relationships because if we become too clingy and obsessive, possessive with people, that won't serve us either. That may very well be a setup for pain. So we need to educate our will and need to control our passions. And our friend is receiving exactly what he served to other human beings, law of cause and effect. He did not help others to quench their thirst and their appetite, but he was actually abusing his power and not serving them in that way. He was cruel and now He's experiencing like a boomerang. It's coming right back to him. 
So he's suffering from that too. Law of action and reaction, cause and effect. So it's very important that we work with our passions. Our passions also relate to emotions. We can go very much out of control with anger and fear. And we're living at a time where fear and panic are triggered with what is going on with the beloved virus that we're loving away from this planet. We're embracing fully without fear. So it is important that here too, we don't succumb to our passions of fear and panic because that won't serve us either. We need to stay serene and we have a beautiful program every single night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I don't know the other time zones, unfortunately, on Cardiac Radio by our dear friend, Vanessa, Dr. Vanessa Anzalone, who is helping us to stay serene. That is, serenity is when we have educated our passions towards the good. I see there is Paloma. Hello, dear friend. Thank you so much for joining. And there is Jacquine Benjamin Cavalcanti saying something in Portuguese. And I do not speak Portuguese. I am so sorry. But I would love to respond if you were willing to write it in English. Thank you so much, dear friend. And thank you for joining. What an honor. Thank you. So let us go back to our friend here. All right, so lustful, insatiable hunger and thirst he's suffering from. Now he's being asked, are prayers offered for the dead imputed to you as they are to others? And the answer is, you might believe they would be beneficial, but for me, they have the same worth as the prayers I myself Pretended, pretended to offer, friends, pretended to offer. I didn't finish my job, so I can't receive my wages. Let us pause again. All right, so he is being, he's asked, being asked whether prayers would be helpful for him and um, whether he's also offered prayers. And essentially the answer is um, he doesn't really believe in them because when he he projects his own prayers that he gave during his incarnation, which were a pretense. He didn't really, he didn't really pray. He pretended to pray. Also, we know that his vibrations, his affinity is with lower level spirits, spirits who very most likely suffer from hunger and thirst and are lustful. Now, if we're surrounded, if our affinity is on that level, I guess, let's guess who is surrounding us. The same kind of spirits. So when we focus on something like that, hunger, thirst, and lust, what happens? Emmanuel calls that a prayer in thought and life. Any concentration of the mind on, on a subject or several subjects is a form of prayer, he tells us. Very interesting, and he really, Emmanuel is a, such a great educator, opens up the ceiling to a cathedral, always. That's how I see it. It's not a flat ceiling, He's, it's now a cathedral style ceiling. And we're seeing prayer in a very different form. So now, of course, we have choices to make. Now, what, what do we want to focus on? Well, if we focus on the mud puddle, if we focus only on hunger and thirst and on our lust, that's, we call that an infernal prayer. That is, we're attracting more of that. And of course, since we're always also attracting other spirits due to the law of affinity, that's what we're surrounding ourselves with. And that's what Benoist is. However, we also have a choice. We can turn the mirror of our soul and connect with God. And at that very moment, when the mirror of our soul is linked and is turned towards God in God's light, guess what we're attracting more? We're bringing God's light back to us. And God's light also consists of spirits of light, spirits of a higher vibration who are now surrounding us and supporting us in our activities during the day. So it's a beautiful thing and we have a choice. And we could ask ourselves, 
a little question. To what degree, what is my prayer? What are my predominant thought forms during the day? Am I focusing on, on fear and panic? Am I focusing on money and power? What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on sex, on lust? Then, most likely, we will attract more of that and the matching spirits. Or are we focusing on charity? How can we do the good? Do the good more and do the good more and do the good and visualize the good and feel the good and mold the good with all the resources we have. And then we attract those spirits to us. So he resonated with um, thirsty, hungry and lustful spirits, among others, lower vibrational spirits. And he was not able, due to the law of affinity, to actually receive the prayers that were offered to him. Isn't that interesting? And that can happen to us too. We're not open. There's no space around us. Well, this kind of affinity is a law and we find it everywhere in the universe. As a matter of fact, André Louise calls it, he calls it the union of qualities. And we find it among planets, we find it among chemical elements, and we find it among souls and spirits. So dear friends, it's very important that we pay attention to, to, to the affinities that we form. So one really important question for us to ponder and meditate upon is, what are my predominant mental foci? What am I focusing on during the day predominantly in my thoughts and in my feelings? And as a result of thoughts and feelings come words and actions. Am I focusing on infernal prayers or divine prayers? Needless to say, it's the latter that we want to focus on. All right, let's go back to Benoist. Benoist has so much to teach us. Thank you, Alan Kardec and Benoist for coming, to, for putting this together in this beautiful book, Heaven and Hell. We are so grateful. So then he says, haven't you ever repented? He's being asked, have you never, have you ever repented? And he answers a long time ago, but it was only the result of my suffering. But since I was deaf to the cries of my innocent victims, the Lord is now deaf to mine. Justice, he says. We'll pause in a minute. Then he's being asked, you have recognized the Lord's justice, trust in his goodness and plead for his help. And he says, the demons howl louder than I do. Cries choke in my throat. They fill my mouth with boiling pitch. I did it. Oh, great. And then he cannot write the word God. So what are we, what are we learning here? There is God's laws and he is starting to be aware of it. He's recognizing that his pleas are not heard because he didn't hear the pleas of, his, of the people that surrounded him during his incarnation. And he sees that as justice. And then he's being asked about Lord's justice, whether he recognizes it and, and he should trust in the goodness of, of God, but he's not quite open to it. He can't write the word God yet. And he is so filled with his pain that he's just, he's not ready. So let us look at that phenomena for a moment and let us look at God's justice because it's important because he is labeled a repentant criminal. However, he was never found out on earth. Isn't that something? How many of us have committed crimes and have not been found out? Right? And the crime, the definition of a crime is not necessarily at all linked to the human laws, but to the divine laws. So justice, what is justice? Well, it is actually, let us go to the Spirit's book for a moment because 
it's the clearest. Alan Kardec put a lot of thought into justice and God's laws, right? In the third book of the Spirit's book, we find God's laws, all of them spelled out. And where are they written? We all know where they're written and that we can't find them in the library, but we find them in our hearts and our conscience. So we do have them written in our hearts and conscience. But for some reason, we don't always obey by them, right? So let us go to question 873. It's in chapter 11 called The Law of Justice, Love, and Charity. Beautiful, most important law. In the first question in that chapter, 873, Alan Kardec is asking, is the sentiment of justice to be found in nature itself or is it the result of acquired ideas. So in other words, are we working on that? Do we have to acquire ideas around it? Or is it natural? Can it be found in nature? And the answer is, it is so natural that you revolt at the thought of an injustice. And isn't that true? We so easily see injustice in other people, don't we? And we get often so outraged by it. But how often do we look at our own, at our own injustices that we commit? That is the important part, right? To use other people's injustices to mirror them back onto our own selves. That is where the work is. Remember the proverbial plank in our own eyes and the speck in others? Yes. So, but here we're learning it's natural and then we revolt. It's so natural that we revolt at the sight of injustice. Moral progress undoubtedly develops this sentiment. So the more we transform, work on our inner transformation, the more clear it becomes. God has placed a divine justice in the human heart. That is why you frequently find among simple and unlearned people notions of justice that are more exact than those among very knowledgeable ones. And we started off our gathering this uh, tonight by saying how important it is to develop the two wings for our ascension. The one is the knowledge, accumulating knowledge, and the other one is practicing love. And practicing justice is part of the law of justice, love, and charity. It belongs together. So both of them are equally important. So question 874 now. Alan Kardec is wondering, if justice is a law of nature, how may it be explained that people understand it so differently? Do we wonder about that too? And how can we understand that what one individual considers just appears unjust to another? So much confusion, right? We look outside, we look at politics, we look at friends, family members. So hard to understand. But here we have the answer crystal clear. Now, how come? And the answer is, it is because, can you, can you guess it? What gets in our way? What gets in our way that we have such different ideas about justice? Friends, what gets into our way? Very important because Benoist <laughs> falls exactly in that category. It is passions. It is because the passions are usually mingled with the sentiment of justice, thereby altering it. The same thing occurs with the majority of the other natural sentiments and it causes things to be seen from an erroneous point of view. Friends, see, now we understand how, why it is so important to work on our passions, to rein them in, to control them, because it is the passions that get into our way of practicing justice. And how do we define justice? Now we're wondering, okay, so I'm practicing justice. What do you actually mean by practicing justice? Well, the next question Alan Kardec is wondering about exactly that. How do we define justice now? And the answer is, justice consists in respecting the rights of every person. Respecting the rights of every person. Now, we know a little bit more, but it can still be a little confusing, right? 
because you're probably going to ask the sunshine so then how do we respect the rights of every person so i'm working on my passions i can distinguish justice from injustice better because i'm more aligned with god's will and i'm clearer and more educated and i'm more willing to be charitable and loving and kind and just just but so all the rights of everyone need to be uh, respected so how, how are we gonna do that well there are two determining factors in respecting the rights of others one is the human laws and the other one are God's laws now we are very familiar with human with the human laws we know that they exist and they exist for a good reason but are they perfect no, they're not, because we are not perfect yet. The human laws only represent, reflect our level of consciousness. They're only as good as we are, so to speak. And if we look back 2,000 years ago, during Jesus' time, the laws were very different. And when we look at them, we see that we've come a long way. But there is a lot more for us to develop and to, to there's a lot more for us to work on. Because obviously... They're mutable and not perfect yet. So, but remember, we came from the question, what determines these rights that we need to respect in every single person? Well, one is the human laws. They help us out. The next one is, the, is God's laws. And they, God's laws, are perfect and immutable. And we have them written in our conscience, in our hearts, and we have them in the spirits book in the third part and they're so important to study and understand and practice and now in our everyday life how can we best respect the rights of others what do you think well it is by desiring for others what we desire for our own selves now that is true justice, the golden rule, the golden rule. And that is really the key for us tonight. This is what we're going to take, what, I, what we're proposing to take into the next week, to make an extra, a new, renewed commitment and effort towards practicing, respecting the rights of everyone by practicing the golden rule, by desiring for others what we this would desire we like to desire for our own selves it's not easy we know it's not easy at all but it is ever so important emmanuel in thought and life now desiring for others what we desire for ourselves is linked to the law of action and reaction and law of cause and effect because if we don't we will have to live with the consequences it is essentially our seed packet that we cast every thought and every feeling casts out seeds into our garden of eternity so we have free will god gave us free will and we need to educate our will so we make wise choices by using the golden rule it is the law of responsibility that's how Emmanuel calls it in in the book thought in life the law of responsibility taking responsibility which is at the same time boosting the adult in us practicing desiring for others what we would like to desire for our own selves and it's very is at the core of our work and of course Benoist slept through it he didn't pay attention to it he is just waking up to the fact that there is such a thing as God's justice let us continue aren't you sufficiently free of earthly ideas to realize that the tortures you're experiencing all have a moral cause Carol, she's sending, oh, she's sending me a hug. Oh, thank you so much, dear friend. We're sending you a big virtual hug back. And thank you so much for joining. Thank you, dear friend. In Portuguese. Yeah, Carol, pride, right? 
pride, selfishness and pride, which really get into the way, which which is the exact opposite of practicing the law of charity, love and justice. We can't practice justice and respecting the rights of everyone and practicing the, the golden rule if we're filled with pride and selfishness. It is the vice of all vices, while charity is the is the the virtue of all virtues. They both start with a V, but they're totally not related. So they're one either one or the other. It's like a seesaw, like a teeter totter. We're either charitable and we practice justice and love, or we're selfish and prideful, and that gets into the way. And that's usually linked to our passions as well. It's a package deal. And that's the path we're on to work on. And I know I've talked about it a million times, but as the spirits tell us, we have God's laws written in our hearts, in our conscience. We know it all, but we just don't pay attention because as we learned tonight, primarily our passions get into our way. We forget. If I get extremely angry right now, I don't care about taking care of other people's rights and, and, and practicing the golden rule. No, my passion of anger takes over. It's like a wild horse and it just tramples everything on its way, right? So that is what we need to focus on. So we're gonna circle back to it because remember we asked, aren't you sufficiently free of earthly ideas to realize that the tortures you're experiencing all have a moral cause? And he says, I endure them, I feel them, I can see my tormentors. They all have familiar faces. They all have names that reverberate in my mind. Can you imagine? Are we paying attention? Are we really taking this to heart? Because if we don't, we may we may create something similar for us at the latest after our excarnation and we may encounter our tormentors the ones that we tormented tormented so it is incredible amount of pain that benoist is feeling and these cases really help us to open our hearts to the suffering and praying for them because there's so many of them around but at the same time, also reminding ourselves of how important it is to focus on not repeating those mistakes. Because not only has Benoist, is Benoist suffering, but we've been there too. How many times in lifetimes have we repeated the same mistakes over and over again by being lazy? Benoist was lazy too. So what could have driven you to commit such, such infirm? infamies he's being asked such atrocities such crimes and the answer is the vices with which i was imbued the brutality of the passions right there it is passions and we're saying it again is what allows us to not pay attention and to forget god's laws to respect the rights of every person it is the passions that prevent us from that it's our passions that prevent us from wanting the good for others as we would like to receive it too. Haven't you ever begged for the assistance of good spirits to help you out of your situation? He's being asked now. And he says, I can only see the demons of hell. Why do you think he can only, why do we think that he can only see the demons of hell? law of affinity he his thinking is hellish and and not only now is his thinking hellish also he is living the effect of the crimes he has committed he's feeling the effects of the crimes he's committed and as a result he's surrounded by demons he's surrounded by exactly the spirits that mimic his thought forms law of affinity so there is no space he's not open enough yet he has not repented enough yet weren't you afraid of such demons while you were alive and he says no not at all so he was not afraid of any demons while he was alive 
Nothingness was my faith. Pleasures at any cost were my worship. Pleasures of any cost was my, were my worship. The divinities of hell have not abandoned me. I have consecrated my life to them. They will never leave me. Remember what we said earlier? Is Emmanuel teaches us, taught us, that whatever we focus our minds on is our prayer. So if we consecrate ourselves to pleasures at any cost, then that's our prayer. That's the worship. That's our infernal prayer. And we're putting very thistly, very, very thorny seeds into our garden of eternity. And then we will have to reap the harvest. And he subscribed to nothingness was his faith. What does he mean by that? Well, nothingness is equal to nihilism. It is the belief in extreme skepticism. It is the belief that there's nothing that has real existence. Nothing. It is the rejection of all religious and moral principles. It fits him, doesn't it? It is making life all meaningless. Nothing has meaning. Can we imagine that? It makes life senseless, useless, purposeless. When life has no meaning, can we imagine that? I think I said it before, I came from a family of believers in nihilism, more or less, particularly my father. He was a very educated man. He was very, very intelligent, a philosopher, and he subscribed essentially to existentialism, which is the literary expression of nihilism. It's very negative. It's very pessimistic. It's depressive. Can we imagine to not have any meaning, see no meaning in life? Uh, yes. Well, when we look at literature, I'm sure you all have heard of Macbeth by Shakespeare. That's an expression of existentialism, of nihilism. Friedrich Nietzsche, who is a German philosopher and poet, completely nihilist. Albert Camus, a French um, philosopher, he wrote the myth of Sisyphus. Have you ever heard of it? it? I'm so familiar with it. My father would always talk about it. The myth of Sisyphus. It was Sisyphus who was trying to push up a rock up the hill. And as he's working so hard to push up that rock, it always slides back down. It always slides back down. Can you imagine? That's nihilism. That's just, it's so depressing. It's terrible. It's like you're working hard for nothing. Working hard for nothing. Life is essentially one big drag. And then of course Franz Kafka where everything becomes completely insane and dark. You know? So anyway, um, just to give you a taste of that, um, the German culture was very imbued in that belief system and me being German or having German origin being raised and born and raised in Germany, I, I am quite familiar with that and I, I know the terrors of that. It's I'm so blessed. I'm feeling so grateful for spiritism and, and reincarnation. It all is just so hopeful. It is everything is filled with hope now. Yes. Wonderful, right friends? We just need to do the work and whatever the work we do, it's not for nothing. The rock isn't gonna roll back down. Law of progress will move us forward, will help us to propel us forward. And we help and we do our inner transformation and practice and with effort and repetition, we will become more and more perfect. We're using our two wings, we're practicing what we're learning and we're always of service, doing the good always. All right, back to our friend. Um, why have you come here to communicate in writing? Good question. I don't know how, but I wanted to talk. I wanted to scream to relieve myself. So his pain needed expression. That's the only reason he can come up with. So do you, so you didn't have the will to make me write? No, I'm the one who is writing, but you're thinking through me. So he's essentially explaining 
that he, um, you know, the mediumship um, is that he's working through the medium. And he says, I feel I'm being helped to think through you. Your hand is obeying me. I'm not touching you yet. I'm holding on to you. I don't get it. He doesn't understand the mechanisms of mediumship psychography, um, which is one of the most common expressions of mediumship. And um, that allows him to express himself. Um, ask for the assistance of your protectors. Let's pray together, he's being told. Do you mean you will desert me? Stay with me. They're going to seize me again. I beg you, stay, stay. Yeah, he sees all his tormentors surrounding him. And the fact that he is linked to the medium and he can express himself relieves some of his pain and his torture. So he's not ready to move on or do anything else. Um, the medium says he can't stay any longer. So then we come to a footnote by Pauline. Pauline uh, with surmise is the medium. It's a medium's guide. And um, Paul, Paul, Pauline or Pauline, don't know whether it's a man or a woman, he, she says, the atrocities Benoist committed are unspeakable and innumerable. He's all the guiltier because he had intelligence, education and knowledge to guide him. Can we imagine? We must not forget he was a monk. He was a monk. So he's all the more guiltier, and that's a, that's a footnote for us, mental note to self, so to speak. So if we know better and we don't use our knowledge for the good, we know all of this, and we're still just sitting on the couch and flipping channels and getting outraged at the politics and getting totally freaked out by COVID-19, well, and so forth and so on. We're even guiltier. So that is for us to learn. So he's even guiltier and we are also even guiltier because we too have intelligence, education and knowledge to guide us. But are we using it? And we're reminding ourselves to practice the golden rule, to recommit in a new way. Everything that we're experiencing, we're asking ourselves, would I like to receive that? Or would I not? Thus he fa failed with full knowledge of the facts. His suffering is dreadful, but with the help and example of prayer, it will be softened. He will see that the end is possible and hope will uphold him. Hopefully he will ho find hope. A spark of divine progress. God saw that he was on the path of repentance and granted him the mercy of being able to communicate in order to be encouraged and comforted. So the fact that he was allowed to express himself, despite all the horrid crimes he has committed, was thanks to divine providence. And he opened the door, just a little crack, by starting to repent. And that's what usually happens. When we start to repent, we open the door. We see it in memoirs of suicide. The suicidal spirits, when they started to open their hearts and feel repentance for the crime or crimes they committed, that's when the group, the Lancers, and the rescue group from the, from the hospital, Mary of Nazareth, that's when they came. That was the first step. And the same with André Louise in Nosolar. The minute he's in the umbral and opens to a very deep heartfelt prayer, he opens up himself up to repentance. He's starting to repent. And remember, that's when he's being rescued. And of course, we can do that any time in our lives. We don't have to wait to excarnate. Ex, um, we can do it right now when we realize that we've committed some crimes, we can start to pray, we can start to feel repentance. And we're going to talk about the penal code in a second. Let's just continue. So God saw that he was on the path of repentance and granted him the mercy of being able to communicate. Think of him often. And that is that is the, the proposal to us, to always think of the suffering spirits, spirits who have committed suicide, to pray for them. 
We will leave him with you to strengthen the good resolutions that he will conceive with the help of your counsels. Repentance will awaken in him the desire for reparation and he himself will then ask for a new existence on earth to practice the good instead of evil. So here it is. Repentance will awaken in him this desire for reparation. In the first part of this, of Heaven and Hell, Ellen Kardec explains to us the penal code. And it has three steps. Our three steps from this extreme suffering to our reparation, to our regeneration, to our regeneration. Three steps. The first one is repentance. That's where it starts. It is. It can happen anytime. It can happen right now, right in this second, in our current lifetime. And it can happen during life after life. And it can happen in a new incarnation. But it is the first step where we open our hearts and recognizing that we have committed crimes really from the heart. And we're acknowledging our wrongs, or at least one wrong. We start with one, but we're acknowledging that we've committed wrongs. And that opens the doors to divine providence. We just mentioned the examples. After we've repented, and then divine providence opens the doors, the next step happens. We very often, very clearly see that we need another lifetime to repair the wrongs we've committed. We're going to do the next step, that's expiation. Expiation is the physical and mental suffering, let's say in a new lifetime. We learned that very clearly in the memoirs of a suicide by Yvonne Pereira, the beautiful study group that our dear friend Dr. Vanessa Anzalone just completed. And you can get it um, on YouTube, I'm sure, and also uh, on Facebook. You can go into it and listen to it if you haven't. But all these cases, all these um, suicide cases, they went through the stage of repentance, sometimes for years, lots of different layers. They learned more, they, divine providence kept them in a hospital, they had be beautiful classes they were able to attend, the whole gamut of support they received. And eventually they all realized we need another lifetime to undo the past wrongs that we've committed. And um, so expiation happens very often in a new physical life. But of course it can also happen in spirit life. That's what Alan, what Alan Karnak tells us in the first part of um, of heaven and hell. And this desire to want another lifetime is rooted in our conscience. And what is in our conscience? God's laws. That's when all of a sudden God's laws become more, come more to the forefront. We know we've done wrong and we have to make up for it. It's really the effect of repentance to want another lifetime to expiate. And then we have the third step, which is reparation. That is righting a wrong. Now that can happen right now, again, in our lifetime. If we, as a matter of fact, that's a preferred method. If we realizing, oh gosh, I've done this person some serious wrong or not so serious wrong, it is very advisable to make up for it now. Because if we don't, guess what? We're taking it with us. And then we have to maybe revisit that relationship or this situation again in another life. So why not take care of it now, right? Let's jump right in and repair past wrongs. Now, how do we do it? We repair past wrongs. Well, why do we have to repair past wrongs? Because we omit it to fulfill our duties. We haven't completed the job, to, so to speak. Benoist said it too. He had not completed his job. So it is important that we revisit 
the unfulfilled duties, which is a series of activities in the realm of goodness. That's what Emmanuel teaches us in thought and life and fulfill those. So if I stole some money from a from a store uh, from somewhere, doesn't matter where, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm repenting, I'm waking up to the fact, oh my gosh, what did I do? Or let's say not money, maybe lipsticks from a store. And all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh my gosh, you know, what did I do? Well, best thing is to repair it and go back, right? Pay for it, fulfill the duty of paying for something that I want instead of taking it. So um, we're invited to practice the good, to humble ourselves and repair what we have done wrong or haven't completed. So let us complete our case here. Let us wrap up dear friends. Um, and let us keep in our minds and hearts the importance of repentance and asking ourselves, how good am I at recognizing my wrongs? Am I doing the nightly review to get to know myself better, my predominant thought forms, my predominant feelings, my actions, my words? Where do I need to repent and make up for past wrongs? Where do I need to revisit people, situations, to apologize and show through my actions that I have learned, I have transformed? Where are we at on a zero, on a scale from zero to ten? Zero being, I never, no, like Benoist, no, I'm just looking at fulfilling my dreams, my passions, I'm just in for the joy ride. Or 10, yes, every night. Every night I'm looking diligently at who I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I'm doing, and I go back and make up for my past wrongs. I'm focusing on feeling the good, on doing the good, on visualizing the good, on molding the good with all the resources I can muster. And I do it to undo the shackles that I forged against my own soul that it's part of my path to regeneration and part of that is practicing the golden rule because the golden rule is preemptive so we don't hopefully have to have repent so much right at the end of each day and at the end of our lives so when god is satisfied uh, um, pauline is wrapping up when God is satisfied with him, Benoist, but also with us, and sees him steady in his resolve, he will enable him to behold the divine light that will lead him to salvation, receiving him into his bosom like the prodigal, prodigal son. Have faith, dear friends. We will help you accomplish your task. And that is the invitation for us. Let us have faith. Dear friends, let us close our eyes for a moment and let us turn the mirror of our soul towards God, towards Jesus, our guide and model, and Mother Mary, who is always ready to help self save those souls that are in most excruciating pain. Let us also turn the mirror of our soul towards the mentors and healing doctors that are present in our gathering. And let us also thank our personal mentors for being with us from the cradle to the grave, helping us to get to know ourselves better, guiding us towards the good, whispering, consoling messages into our ears. And for the week to come, we pray that we will recommit to our inner transformation in the most practical sense. And we pray that we will remember to do the nightly review as St. Augustine recommended to us, to observe ourselves in a renewed form and shape, 
to get to know ourselves better, to see where we need more work, where we need to repent, where we need to recuperate moments, make up for moments where we have not done the good. And we pray that we will remember in the course of the week to practice the golden rule, to do unto others what we would like to receive, to see it as a filter for our thoughts and our feelings and our words and actions, to run it through the filter of the golden rule, every single thought, feeling, word, and action. Dear God, it is with so much gratitude that we are recommitting to our inner transformation to stay calm and serene, to be charitable and just, to respect everyone's rights and to always do the good, to mold ourselves to the service towards mankind and to be guided by your light. And with this, we humbly ask for permission to close tonight's study session. And so be it, dear friends. Thank you so much for joining, dear friends. Dear Carol, thank you, and Saul, and Jessinai, and Paloma, and Nora Brazil, and B and Lisa Tellis, and there's more. I don't see your names. So God willing, we will meet again next week to study another case of repentant criminals. God bless you, dear friends. Good night.